October! The time is nigh. <laughs> it's our time. I'm thriving. I I just wanna go take a pumpkin to the face and just wear all <laughs> black, put on my new leather coat. I can't wait. Oh my god. This I'm gonna stab somebody. Okay, too far. Oh. That, Damn could, it. that could put you in jail. I know. I just always get so excited. I know. So, we hope that you guys saw our announcement on social media that this month's theme is Scream Queens! Ah! Yes, I'm so excited. So, of course, we're kicking off this month with the iconic movie Scream. Oh my geez. Nev Campbell in all of her glory. I can't wait. This movie is iconic. I am so excited to talk about it today. We're so stoked we fucked up our up top. Like <laughs> We did. We did. So anyway, just for like, I don't know, routine sake. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Scream? You mean the 1996 fucking classic from Wes Craven that revitalized the horror genre? Yes. Ah. Absolutely. God, I watch this movie all the fucking time. I love it so much. Yes. All right, so we're going to get right into this. You guys know what's up. I'm Nicole. Mm -hmm. I'm Topher. We're the Horror Babes. Damn fucking right. We're here to talk about Scream today. Sure are. All right, so let's get right into it. We're going to, Topher's going to take us through who made this thing. I'm going to take us through the plot, and then we're going to do our analysis of the plot. We've got some juicy things to talk about. I can't wait. Sure do. All right, so who made this thing? Lots of people. Yes, correct. That's it. (laughs) End of list. No, as I said up top, directed by horror master Wes Craven. This is the second film we've covered from him. There's another one actually coming later this month. I won't tell you which one it is. It's a secret. Tis a secret. Written by Kevin Williamson. We have, for the first time ever, a star-studded cast in horror. This is the first time this has ever really been done. Mm. Uh, No one was ever... Typically, horror was like your entry into bigger films. Yeah. You show your acting chops, yada, yada, yada. Basically, everybody in this film was already a star when they made it. So, yeah. actually, in the order of appearance, uh, Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker, Roger Jackson playing the voice of Ghostface, mm-hmm. Kevin Patrick Walls as Steve, the poor quarterback who gets dismembered, <laughs> Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott, our heroine, Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis, ew, ew. Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, W. Earl Brown as Kenny Jones, Rose McGowan as Tatum Riley. David Arquette as Deputy Dewey, Tatum's brother. Matthew Lillard as Stu, 
and Jamie Kennedy as Randy. We've got some others in here. Uh, Lee Schreiber actually played the guy who was accused of killing uh, Sydney's Wait, mom. Really? Yeah, he plays uh, Cotton uh, uh, Cotton Weary. Oh my That's god! That's Lee Schreiber. Oh my god! Right. So fun. Shook. Shook. I didn't know. Uh, we also have some cameos here. Linda Blair as one of the reporters. Which is tight. I love yeah. that. I love that. Wes Craven as Fred the janitor uh, in his full <laughs> uh, Freddy Krueger glory. Oh, we love it. And fucking Henry Winkler as principal Arthur Hembry. So good in this. I love, I adore Henry Winkler's performance in this. Yeah, it's so small, but so big. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it was produced by Miramax, uh, which involves a certain guy who likes masturbating into plants and attempting to and successfully raping several young women in the industry and trying to ruin their careers. We won't mention his name here, but you know who the fuck we're talking about. And may he rot in hell. Big old boo. Fuck you. Yep. Marco Beltrami did the soundtrack and just killed it. Yep. And yep, Mark yep. Irwin was the director of photography. Hell yeah. Goddamn fantastic. I'm just so stoked. I'm so stoked. I love everything about this movie. I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why it's so iconic. It's beloved. Like, I mean, you can't talk to anybody who about Scream and they not like be like, yeah, no, I love that movie. Yeah. It's so much fun. Just like 90s nostalgia galore. Yeah, you know, it's like going back into it. It's like, oh, cool. I'm wearing flannel. I've got ripped jeans on. They're oversized. Like my shirt's too big. Yeah. I'm listening to Dave Grohl. You cannot Ugh. have a 90s horror film without Nev Campbell, in my opinion. I mean, she did some of the most iconic ones. Yeah. Between the Craft. The Craft, this Scream 2. Yeah. Uh, which is also fantastic. Like, there's just... Yeah, Nev Campbell... She's the girl. Yeah. The girl. It's funny. She actually didn't want to do this movie um, because she had just done The Craft. And she's like, I don't want to do another horror movie. Well, glad you did. Because I'm very glad you did because her performance she's perfect. is yeah, it's so stunning in this. Okay. Um, I think that concludes Who Made This Thing. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's a lot more people involved. It was a giant yeah, yeah, project. It's a, it's but a huge movie. Yeah we'll, yeah. we'll we'll stick with that for now. Cool. All right, uh, here we go with the plot in case you don't know what happens. And then <laughs> I don't. Tell me, please. All right, so high school student Casey Becker, also known as Drew Barrymore, as she refrains to do a wedding singer <laughs> reference. <laughs> Julia Gulia. Oh, um, my God. I was waiting for you last night while we were rewatching this just to... marry the wedding singer? <laughs> Take a shot, guys. She just referenced The Wedding Singer. Anyway, it's my favorite movie. Anyway. Love that for you. She receives a flirty phone call from an unknown person. Hot Friday night. She's babysitting. It's dark. She's in the middle of the woods in the suburbs. Is she babysitting? Yeah. We never see the damn kids. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. Her parents are out. I was going to say, I think because it's her, it's her parents that come home. That's right. I just, I always you assume. assume well, yeah. they start talking about a babysitter. That's what it is. It, like up top in her phone conversation with this dude, she's like, you know, Halloween. The, he asks, you know, what's her, what's her yeah. favorite horror film? She said, I don't know, Halloween, the one about the babysitter. I think that's probably yeah. why. And also whenever we see teens home alone without like friends over, you assume they're babysitting. Yeah, it just went into my head of yeah. like, yeah. So, yeah, they talk about horror films, um, much like we do every weekend. Um, <laughs> Us. Cute, cute. 
So it takes a sharp turn when <laughs> he's like, he's like, what's your name? And she's like, why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Bum, Ugh. bum, bum. Ugh. I still get shivers. I've seen this movie 5,000 times and I still get shivers when he says that. And basically threatens her life. And he reveals that her boyfriend, poor Steve, is literally just like being held hostage on her back patio. Yeah. And... Now she has to answer questions about horror films, which to me is hilarious. I love this. It's like, a, yeah, he does the let's play a game thing. Yeah, exactly. And Casey gets one wrong, a trick question wrong. I don't think I would have gotten this one right. Oh, about Friday the 13th. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, about the mother, Mrs. Voorhees actually is yeah. the killer. And uh, Jason doesn't show up until the second one or well, something. Well, at the very end, he Or does. at the very yeah. end. Or, yeah. As like a, yeah. But like... I probably would have gotten that one wrong too. Yeah, well, because like it's a trick question. Um, huh. what you think you would have gotten it right? Yes. When you're under pressure, yes. If someone was literally saying that they were going to kill me, and you were under that much pressure, you think you would have gotten that right? Yes. Okay, I, guess I don't I'm in have good information hands. in my brain. Other, I don't have any information in my brain that does not involve film and TV. <sighs> I am a broken person. That's actually true. Um, <laughs> Quick, ask me what two plus two equals. Two plus two equals. Uh, Johnny um, Depp was in Nightmare on Elm Street and gets sucked into the bed in a giant bloody explosion. That's it. See? Well, at least now I know I'm in good hands. Yeah. If this scenario ever came up, uh, you'd you'd I, I, hopefully you're the one being asked the questions. Yeah. I mean, if they started asking me about, like, I don't know, anything else, you're fucked. But if it's horror films or just, like, film in general, I got you. So basically, long story short, uh, Casey gets it wrong and Steve is murdered. Yep. And Casey's like, I'm not answering any more questions. So he like, we have this crazy uh, death of Casey. Oh, so good. It's so crazy. This movie's only been on for like three minutes and two people are already dead. (laughs) Um, Just jumps right in. Yeah. And then her parents come home and... Find her corpse hanging from a tree. And like disemboweled and everything. Like, ugh. Just like. Exactly. That's exactly the sound it makes. Like yeah. that was anatomically correct. Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so then, of course, of course, we're at the school the next day. The news media is just going wild. This is when we meet Courtney Cox in all of her glory before she's Courtney Gale Cox. Gail Weathers. <laughs> Gail Weathers. What a fucking name. And this is where we meet her before she's she's about to become Courtney Cox Arquette because isn't this where she like got really close mm-hmm. with David Arquette after uh, breaking up with uh, the Counting Crows guy? Yeah, which I had no idea they were even ever together. That's crazy. Just ugh. what a bizarre couple. White guys with dreads. I don't know. Just not here for it. Cut that shit out. I'm kidding. Not really. But anyway. So obviously a police investigation is is beginning and we meet Sydney Prescott who is played by Nev Campbell and we learn that she's struggling with uh, this is about to be her, the first anniversary of her mother's unfortunate death mm-hmm. is coming up. She uh, her killer Cotton Weary yeah. who like you said before was played by Leah Shriver which yeah. we didn't have any any clue. Um, this is before he was uh, anything. Yeah. So the allegations um, against Cotton Weary are, are that he uh, raped and killed Maureen, who is uh, Sydney's mother. Mm-hmm. And 
while waiting at home for uh, Sydney's waiting at home for her friend Tatum Riley, uh, Rose McGowan. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney gets the same threatening phone call. Us as audience members are like, "You in danger, girl! <laughs> You're in danger, Sydney! Sydney!" Um, and she hangs up. She is attacked by said killer, which I was when I first saw this movie decades ago. Um, I was surprised by that, like the killer is already there. Yeah, like just I shows thought. Up. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a haunting, and it was going to lead up to something. But mm-hmm. I, I think it's really cool that, like, right out the gate, this foot, ne- this this movie never takes its foot off the gas. No, it really doesn't, and I think that's honestly part of why it's so successful as a like a teen scream queen yeah. film. It it literally never lets lets up. Mm-hmm. It's such a fun ride. Absolutely. Um. So. So anyway, she manages to escape, obviously, because there's still like an hour and a half left to this movie. Um, so Billy, which the actor that plays Billy is also in The Craft. Nev Campbell and him also work together in The Craft. Oh, that's right. Skeetle Orch is in The Craft. Yeah. Yeah. He plays a, the same character. <laughs> yeah, he kind of does. He was really tight because he's so hot. Like he's young hot Skeet in a Ulrich skeezy is, way, yeah, and that's but, why he's so perfect. Well, his name is Billy. Lo- Isn't that why they named the character on Stranger Things Billy was in reference to this? Because his ref- his name is a reference to Halloween. Oh, Professor Loomis. Oh, who or like Doctor Loomis, who is Michael's caretaker at the facility. But I thought Billy in Stranger Things was a reference to, because he looks so much like a young Skeet Ulrich. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I mean, y'all know I love Billy from Stranger Things. Dakray Montgomery, give me a call. Call me. What's up? I'm right here. Sorry. Anyway. Um, and of an appropriate age. I'm not a child. <laughs> he's not a child either. He's in his 20s. It's fine. I'm in my 20s. It's fine. Anyway. I'm just jealous. Stay jealous. <laughs> <gasps> yes, ma'am. Anyway. Uh, so Billy shows up and Sydney starts to suspect that he he made the call. The timing's a little too perfect. It's a little too perfect. And he has a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So Don't Bill- you love the like 90s trope of people coming through windows? Oh, yeah. Boy meets world. Clarissa explains it all. Totally. I always wanted a boy to come through my window. You live on the fifth floor, babe. I'm sorry. I can't do that for you. Yeah, you'd probably die. (laughs) I'm not a strong climber. But like as a teenager, I was, you know, big, big uh, Melissa Etheridge energy. Come Come to my window. Crawl inside, way by the light of the moon. Gay. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I also was a big Melissa Etheridge fan, so what does that say about me? Gay. Yeah. So since uh, Sydney runs away, uh, Billy's arrested and Sydney spends the night at Tatum's house and the killer makes another threatening call. Finds Sydney at Tatum's house. So creepy. Very creepy. Then the next day, Billy is released and the suspicion shifts. That's hard to say. Suspicion shifts mm-hmm. over to Sydney's father, Neil, because the calls have been traced to his phone. Yeah. Crazy. Wild. Crazy twist of events. School is suspended. They're like, go the fuck home. Yeah. Um, kids are stoked. And there's there's like this awful moment where like all these kids are in the masks, like running around and yeah. they get in trouble. And, you know, with the principal, the principal takes away the masks. And then there's this moment where he's like playing with the masks. And you start suspecting him. Yeah. But then he gets killed. Mm-hmm. Like right there. Yeah. Um, and the then, amount of red herrings in this movie. 
Oh, I know. I know. Um, so then Tatum's boyfriend, Stu, uh, played by Matthew Lillard, decides to throw a party. Like, what do you do when there's no school? Yeah. You throw a party. And all all the quote-unquote cool kids, meaning all the you know main characters of this film, mm-hmm. are there. And Gail Weathers just shows up. Oh, I should also note that uh, Sydney just like hauls off and knocks Gail in the fucking teeth. Yeah. Because Gail wrote a book about Sydney's mother's case. Yeah. And Gail thinks that Sydney mislabeled the or misidentified the the murderer. Right. And Gail is really just trying to sell books here. She's just yeah. you know. So she's, she's a like, skeezy reporter. Like she is. she's admittedly a tabloid reporter. Yeah. So. Uh, after that side note, Gail's at the party, uninvited, and drops like a camera in the living room. Yeah. And well, she comes with a, she comes in with Dewey. She does. Who is a yeah. uh, uh, Tatum's brother? Right. So, and you know, Dewey's there just to be like, well, if you're gonna party, like, do it safely, sort of. Like, I'm gonna be here in case the killer shows up. Yeah. So, and guys, here comes one of. In my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, the most gruesome, but also hilarious murders in a horror film. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Okay, so Tatum goes to the garage and gets some beers because they've run out. And the door closes mysteriously. Mm -hmm. And Tatum is like, real funny, guys. Ha ha. So she like has to open. She clicks the button for the garage to open. She walks over, it like stops halfway and then closes. Yeah. So she's locked in here and she's like, it's not funny, guys. And she's like trying to get back in. Right. And then the killer shows up on the steps to the house. Yeah. Ghostface. Ghostface. Yes. Which is a reference to Wu-Tang Clan. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Because Ghostface Killer is a member of the Wu-Tang Clan. And so they named the killer Ghostface. Nice. Yeah. Just another little like them being clever as fuck. Awesome. Yeah. So she's, you know, doing her whole, like, silly Tatum thing where she's just like, oh, are you, like, I'm so scared. It's Uh." so flirty. Yeah. She's like, oh, are you going to, like, kill me? Are you going to, like, all this stuff? And he's just, like, emphatically shaking his head. Um, Reminds me of Creep with uh, the peach fuzz scene. Definitely. And so he, like, grabs her arm and makes a slice in her forearm. Mm -hmm. And that, like wakes her up and freaks her out. Like, she's like, okay, this is an actual threat. She tries to... We see a cat go through, like, a cat uh, door, like a pet door, um, to get out of the garage earlier, introducing that there even is that option. Mm -hmm. So Tatum tries to get out of the garage and can't, um, so ends up going through the pet door. Mm -hmm. Gets stuck by her blessed beautiful hips you know like <laughs> she's just like she's trying to squirm out of there also die in the situation oh my god i think most i think most people would it's tiny so she's trying to get out and then Ghostface starts pressing the button so the door is slowly opening to the garage uh, we have a moment where we have uh tatum's point of view and we see like she looks up yeah. and sees how close she is to that and she's screaming and then it's just crack Ugh. her head and she's done. She's just left there. Yeah, just hanging, you know, in her, like, very 60s mod outfit with it's, that, like, super cute. tight sweater and the little plaid skirt. It's very jawbreaker. It is very jawbreaker. So then, and then uh, Billy arrives at the uh, party and Sydney 
Here's where your favorite line happens. <laughs> she says something like, oh, what did she say about a Meg Ryan movie? I wish my life were a Meg Ryan movie or something. Yeah. And she's like, or a good porno. Yep. And he's like, what? She's like, you heard me. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. So perfectly like high schoolers trying to sound sexy. Yeah. Like, I actually think it is good writing, even though it's a really shitty line. But yes. I think that's what makes it good is like it's an intentionally like, yes, high schoolers do kind of talk like that. Totally. High schoolers are cringy as fuck. So they they do it. And oh, my God, they went all the way. They went all the way. <gasps> Home run. So in the meantime, Dewey and Gail, in all of their sexual tension, cut it with a knife, <laughs> they're investigating an abandoned car. And I think that car ends up being... Um, it's Neil Prescott. It's Neil. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Sydney's father's car. So the plot thickens. So for some reason, I think it might be another student calls the party or something. But anyway, they get a phone call where they learn that Principal Himbry is dead. Yeah. He's been killed. So... To recap, here are our survivors so far. Sydney, Billy, Randy, Stu, and Gail's cameraman, uh, Kenny. Yes. And uh, also Dewey and Gail. Dewey and Gail, obviously. And everyone's um, a suspect except Sydney. Yes, correct. So after doing it, Sydney and Billy are attacked by uh, Ghostface, mm-hmm. who ends up killing Billy. And it's so funny, too, because it's re- he gets stabbed right after. He says, what do I have to do to convince you I'm not the killer? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's that, a great moment. That, yeah, that'll that, do it. That, that'll do it. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so then Sydney escapes from the house barely. All of this is cut through with Randy watching Halloween and they're all, he's explaining all the rules. Yes. And this is where we get those wonderful tropes of like, if you're if you're doing drugs or drinking or having sex, you're going to be murdered. Yeah. And which is such a nice contrast to our quote unquote final girl, because it's telegraphed that, that Sydney is going to be the final girl throughout the whole yeah. thing. We get, you know, Sydney has just lost her virginity. Yeah. And she's so, been drinking and. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a. It's. I love that they blatantly like they had a character who's obsessed with horror and is yeah. like these are the rules and they just they say the silent part. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, Never say I'll be right back. And then Matthew Lillard says I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get another beer. I'll be right back. Right. Yeah. God, I love Matthew Lillard. He's funny. So uh, after Sydney gets out of the house, um, she she tries to get help from Kenny, the camera man. Yeah. Um, but of course, uh, Kenny gets. <laughs> Oh my God, they killed Kenny. <laughs> um, God, I think that's also a reference. Like I've, everything in this movie is, there's, it's so laden in it. Doesn't, why do I feel like Gail says that? Oh my God, they killed Kenny. I think she does. Something, it's along those lines. It's not, it's not an explicit line, but it's very close to that. There's something in I there. I also just keep thinking he's Danny McBride throughout this entire thing. Because I'm pretty sure Danny McBride has never aged a day. Right. He was just born at like 40. Well, it, so if... If Gail doesn't say it, that's a missed opportunity. Anyway, okay, so Kenny dies from the killer slashing his throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney, you know, runs away again. <laughs> Fuck this shit, I'm out. And then uh, Gail and Dewey come back. They come back to the house. They think that Neil is the killer because he's nowhere to be found. Right. He's already a suspect and his car is there. And yeah, yeah. no one knows where he is. And they trace to the calls to him. 
So uh, Gail tries to escape because after we've learned, you know, Kenny is dead, Mm -hmm. um, drives off the road uh, to avoid hitting Sydney. Yeah. And, you know, crashes. And Dewey is stabbed in the back while (laughs) investigating in the house. Sydney takes his gun. Again, final girl trope. We've got yeah. we've got the um, the weapon. We've got everything now. At least it's not a fucking frying pan or something this time, or like another household object. Yeah. Well, no, a bat would be fine, but like um, this is something the Bechdel cast has brought up a lot. Uh huh. That women are only allowed to wield household objects, not actual weapons. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Bechdel cast. Yeah. Fantastic podcast. Hell yeah. But they, uh, it's one something that I had never totally noticed until listening to 10,000 of their episodes and being like, oh shit, yeah, no, that is absolutely correct. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. So it's dope that she actually has a gun in this. Yeah. So Stu and Randy um, show up and they're accusing each other of being the killer. Right. Um, and then Sydney uh, comes back to the house and she finds that Billy ain't dead. He's wounded. Right. But he's alive. Um, she gives Billy the gun. He uh, lets Randy into the house and bang, bang, shoots him. Mm-hmm. And then Billy with one of the great, Billy with one of the great reveals. Yeah, one of the best twists in horror history. Yes. He said that he faked all of his in- injuries and that he is the killer and that Stu is his accomplice. So Billy and Stu talk about their plan to kill Sydney and frame her father as the murderer. They've taken uh, her father, Neil, hostage. Yeah, he's like in the basement or something like that. So they also reveal that they fucking murdered her mother and framed Cotton for it. Yeah. Because she was having an affair with Billy's father, which drove his mother away. Because we get this... I'm going to back up just briefly to in the high school where Billy is trying to tell Nev Campbell to get over it. Yeah. Like, uh, your mother died. Like, that happened like a year ago. And she she was like, a year year ago tomorrow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is like, oh my God. And he's like, well, when my my mother left, like, you know. And she points out the ridiculousness of that. Like, no, she left. She left. She's not lying in a in a coffin somewhere right and she she says like she says something totally justified but it's in a it's 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 through a lens of like a teenager so she's like right. oh i'm sorry that my traumatized um life is too is too uh inconvenient for your perfect existence or some shit yeah and i'm like oh my god someone in like system of a down wrote that lyric you know what i mean <laughs> like whoa or like simple plan, like I'm sorry uh, I can't be perfect or some I'm shit. I'm sorry, can't be perfect. I'm sorry, I can't be Oh fuck, perfect. that was the song. I was doing addicted to you. Cause that's we lost it all. Oh my god. That it lasts forever. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, it's it's yes. literally it's it's it's, yes. it's totally justified that she's like pissed and sad and all of that but it's just it's, it's a, the it's line is really funny lyric. yes the, the line is very funny but anyway so crazy reveal so billy um billy confesses and the the whole motivation is that uh that was the reason that his mother left him yeah and gail who survived this big car crash intervenes and sydney knocks Billy out because of the distraction of Gail, like right. she's able to, and drops a TV on Stu's head, which kills Such him. Such a great one. Yeah. 
And then Randy is wounded but alive and says, you know, because he's our he's our horror our horror buff. Yeah. He says, wait, the killer always resurfaces for one last scare. <laughs> and right then Billy wakes up and attacks Sydney. Gail shoots him. Mm-hmm. Um, Sydney takes the gun and shoots Billy in the head, killing that motherfucking cockroach for good. <laughs> and the sun rises and the police arrive. Dewey, who's badly injured, is taken away by an ambulance and Gail makes an impromptu news report about the night's events. God, I love Roll this credits. It's <clears throat> so good. It's like, also funny to me that, like, one thing we didn't point out is that they're doing the double motivation thing. Mm-hmm. So when they were writing the script, they were like, oh, man, is it scarier if the killer has motive or doesn't? Yeah. So they had that's why they had two killers. It also fixed a lot of, like, plot holes in the script of, like, how did they get there so fast? Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, why are they always able to be in two places at once? Oh, because they literally are. Yes. You have one operating the phone, the other one operating the mask. Yes. And so I love that part of it. Yeah. But also that like uh, Matthew Lillard's like, she's like, why, why are you even involved? And he's like, I don't know, man, peer pressure, society, who cares? Oh my God. It's so, it's so perfect. And this, this movie, this movie is, I mean, firstly famous for just being such like a fun teen slasher romp but it's it's also it's famous for kind of revitalizing the slasher um genre and like commenting on it in a great way while still making a really good horror movie yes like cabin in the woods often gets compared to this yes justifiably Mm -hmm. as does tucker and dale vs evil Mm -hmm. both are solid horror movies yeah but cabin in the woods is just sort of a successful meta commentary Mm mm-hmm it's a decent horror movie, but it's more successful commentary. Yeah. Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is a more successful comedy than it is a horror film. Yes. You are horrified, but you're not scared. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, this one does both. Yeah. I'm laughing. I'm freaked. I'm acknowledging all of the references and commentary on the genre. Totally. It's, it's a really wonderful, like, sort of... I hate putting the kind of pressure or praise on on works of art like this, but it's kind of a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, and I also think that it's a great, um, like you said, like yes, if you are a horror film buff, you are gonna notice the references and have so much fun with that. But I also think it's a really good entry level horror film because yeah. it's also not that crazy. Like if you if you want to sit down with someone who hasn't really, you know experienced horror films you can even like point out the um references and say oh we'll watch that one yeah this is a huge it's a huge reference to halloween absolutely it's a huge yeah so like i think this movie did a lot for this genre yeah i think because the 90s were a pretty rough time for horror for sure like late 80s to early 90s you just had some really shitty horror horror movies come out you had Leprechaun and all of the other Leprechauns oh. that came out. Did you know that that movie, by several articles, has been rated like number one in the least scary horror films? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like, I, they're they're just absurd. Yeah. You had Child's Play, that franchise, Ooh, yeah. which I think is just it. Don't, I've never found it super scary. It's just sort of like gore fest, but I don't find it like a super successful horror film. Yeah. Uh, you had you just had like a bunch of really really boring 
horror movies and well, the, the, like, like just like all of the sequels to nightmare on elm street and yeah. to, and to uh friday the 13th and halloween were coming out at this time and they're all shitty yeah and the fun it was almost like we were in a we were in a rut um yeah. and it's almost like with this um kind of reviving the slasher film it kind of it also reminded us how much fun that is like a yeah everyone loves a good old whodunit yes that's why clue is so popular in all of its iterations yeah. we love a whodunit that's why people listen to true crime podcasts mm-hmm. we want to know all of the information so we can speculate yeah like humans love to do that we want to solve um, mysteries we want to solve things um that's how our brains are wired so i think that this is such I'm so glad that this was as successful as it was because it would have been really devastating if it was like just not a good movie. I mean, it could have killed the genre. Could have, yeah. I mean, this is a big, big budget. People could have been like, people could have been like, I'm done. I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> Final straw. Right. And so I think that this is to blame in a good way. Like this is this is to, or to credit. Yeah. Uh for the not just there's not just the revitalization of the slasher film but of like horror in general so we got yeah. some really good movies right after this mm-hmm. and people were willing to put money behind horror again yeah because a lot of production studios are like we're not touching another horror movie they are just not working yeah that's true yeah i mean yeah. this is like yeah i mean right after this you get a bunch of really good classic horror films from like the turn of the millennium yeah um, that we grew up with and then you know it kept it, it's we've talked about movies as a business before yeah this is just like um the omen let star wars get made yeah this is what got the money put behind you know like saw which we don't love but we don't hate yeah but saw is a big reason why there's a still a horror genre or like a working horror industry that's not just independent yeah you have to think about you do have to think about the business side and that money is inherently involved yeah um so So, yeah yeah like i said i'm glad this movie wasn't a flop yeah uh it's 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 great and i mean it's it's definitely great for other reasons too like um if we're talking about genre and when you talk about genre you automatically kind of have to talk about tropes and the biggest trope that we hinted at in the plot is uh, the final girl. Definitely, Sydney is positioned as the final girl from the top, and that's yeah. and that's um, that's their point. Um, so, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know exactly what the final girl is. But I'm just going to give you like a two second like bullet point of it. what it is. So, the final girl is typically a little bit. I won't even say like nerdy, but she's not like a party girl. She's she's more accessible. She is more relatable than mm-hmm. um, like Rose McGowan is never going to be the final girl. No, she's, she's too this, like vixeny. Vixeny, type. yeah. So like that's why Jamie Lee Curtis was kind of the perfect the final girl because mm-hmm. she chose to you know instead of go to a party she chose to babysit and make some money that night and then right. she you know all of that. So. The final girl is typically not like your super hot, like vixeny. Even though Nev Campbell is super hot. Um, hot, but in this movie, they're like doing that movie thing where they like put her in cardigans and try to like dumb her down a little bit. She's also one of the only people who's ever looked good in bangs. She does look great in bangs, and I like her like highlights are cute. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so final girl is typically not like your partier. Like she's they're always virgins, always. Mm-hmm. 
They um, see all of their friends uh, in the movie get like mutilated and killed and tortured and, you know, all these things happen around them. Um, And then they have to rise to the occasion to have the final like (laughs) tete-a-tete with the (laughs) with the uh, killer. Yeah. So, yeah, that's your two second thing on who the final girl is. This this movie, again, I love that it points and it tells you the rules through Randy, our yeah. horror film buff character, because as that's happening, she's having sex with her boyfriend, yeah. with Billy, and she doesn't die. She survives the end of the movie. So with that happening, they're kind of commenting on the final girl trope, and they're they're moving it into a direction where it needs to go, because her willingness to stay alive has... or. Her, the fact that she stays alive has nothing to do with her virtue. Exactly. It has yeah. everything to do with how badly she wants to stay alive, mm-hmm. which, aka agency. Um, she, what a concept. <laughs> what a concept. So, a lot of what the final girl trope is, is men trying to suppress female sexuality. Yeah. And say, if you don't hang on to your virtue. <laughs> <laughs> Or your virginity. Gross. Which nobody loses it, guys. I know exactly where I I know exactly where it is. It was my sexual debut. Yeah. Um, But anyway. I love that term instead. I do too. I didn't lose anything. Yeah. If anything, I gained something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sex is power. Boom. Boom. But yeah, it's all about men suppressing women's uh, sexuality and their discovery of that because there's a fear of that power. Men know that sex is power. Men know that. Of course, yeah. So that's often a power, that's a power that they have and and women have been suppressed for years of discovering Mm -hmm. that because they're afraid of us discovering that side of ourselves and becoming too powerful and probably realizing that we don't need men. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's yeah. going too far. But no, anyway. No, get rid of us. We're just put us out with the trash. It's where we belong. I'm, I'm not stock. kidding here. <laughs> Breeding stock. Um, but anyway, I so I do love not only is this film super fun, not only is it um, you know, the perfect nineties whodunit romp. It's got all of our like a star studded cast. Yeah. So it's so great. And all of the re- like references galore. It is a horror so film fun. nerd like Oh, treasure. Um, but like, but it also does something to move us a little bit forward. Yeah, it fucks with genre in a really cool way because yeah. it was one of the first times we ever gotten a meta commentary on film itself or on a genre itself. Like, yeah. it, 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 it's so that could be obnoxious, mm-hmm. but they just pulled it off so well. Yeah. And like, it, I would compare like uh, Williamson and Craven to like uh, Dan Harmon. Yeah. Right. Or Richard yeah. Iowade. Yeah. Who are both really, really good at meta commentary. Yeah. Without being obnoxious about it. Yeah. Um, I was just looking through the community subreddit this morning while I was waking up and I was just like, oh, right. Yeah. They are steeped in reference and homage and all of these things, but they don't, they're, they're not ripping things off. It's not a, uh, what do they always say? It's like, there's a line from community that I can't remember the exact, uh, wording of right now but basically it's like people mistake this as parody. oh they mistake it as parody when it's actually just homage yes yes and this is not parody no it's just meta commentary scary movie is parody yes exactly this, exactly that's where you cross the line 
Which is very funny to me because that was the working title of this movie and hence why Scary Movie called itself that. Oh, that's a fun piece of trivia. I yeah. didn't know that. There's so much trivia about this movie. It's like when, oh, we, I'm sure, it's yeah. like when we cover like Alien or something like that. It's just like all trivia. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's been and covered a lot of, to death, yeah. Well, and a lot of people have, you know, it, it, everyone has an interest in this movie. So everyone's, you know, interviewed people Definitely, who worked yeah. on it. So yeah. yeah. It's funny too because the movie almost didn't happen. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Yeah. What's behind that? The villains at the MPAA, a.k.a. the Motion Picture Association of America, mm-hmm. tried to kill this film in the crib. Um, Ew. Yeah. Why? So, basically, they wanted to give this movie an NC-17 rating uh, for the gore, the violence. Oh, give me a fucking break. Yep. So, what? the original, I really, really hope that there's still an original cut of this. I would love to see it. Um, I've got a quick quote from uh, uh, from Wes Craven. Yeah. It says, quote, I'm a director who can do something very well, but I'm not allowed to put it on screen. And they ultimately get you, as they did on this one, on intensity. They wow. say, it's not a specific shot. It's not blood. It's just too intense. End quote. So they made him reshoot or edit out so much of the, so many of the kills in this. They were going to be way bloodier. Uh, you were actually going to see Steve Orth get stabbed and his guts fall out. Uh, Casey's boyfriend in the beginning. You were going to see her guts fall out. You were going to see uh, Tatum's head get crushed. Like, but they weren't allowed to show, like they had to reshoot the, or they had to edit the Kenny dying scene because they couldn't have any blood coming out of a body. Oh, come on. And like when Billy and Stu are stabbing each other. And... What? They couldn't show blood coming out. So they had to cut all of that. So there's a much cooler, gorier, intenser version of this film, and I want it. What the actual fuck? There's they gotta also, be there's way more gory shit out there. I've seen yeah. guts fall out of somebody. Uh-huh. What? Yeah. But you gotta remember this was ninety six, right? This was just... during that whole like Video games cause violence. Oh, movies yeah, cause you're violence, right. which is you're what right. Stu says at the end. That he's making fun of that, and I'm pretty sure I, I I have to believe that that was a reshoot after they made them oh my God, the yeah. blood scenes, and he rewrote the line so that he could fucking take a shot at the MPAA. Art always finds a way. Yes, art comments on life. So yeah, I think I think you're right. Like that's, but that's wild. But with context, it makes more sense to me. Yeah, they but also still, like sucks. were they were getting in trouble for like the scenes with Nev Campbell and like her owning her sexuality. Oh God, that that I'm just like, there's no excuse for well, that. It's like why fuck Blue off. That's Va- why Blue Valentine. Oh. Got yeah. Like uh, the MPAA tried to kill that too because there's a scene where Ryan Gosling gives Michelle Williams head. Oh, and we can't have that happen. Yeah. Meanwhile, you can have tits all over the screen and it's still PG-13. That's what I'm saying. There's not a single titty in this movie. Sexism is alive Just and Rose well. Just Rose McGowan's nipples. <laughs> yes, yes. They, they're they What was there. it about the 90s and everybody's everybody was just freezing in the 90s, I guess? I guess so. I mean... Famously, Jennifer Aniston. I was about to say, Jennifer Aniston and, and Friends. Yeah. And everything else she did. But yeah, it's... Uh, like Leprechaun. That's a big bummer. Yeah, that's a big bummer. Yeah. Um, and like horror films notoriously have a lot of problems with the MPAA. Yes. And this is, you have to remember that like this is during that time of like Barbara Bush and like Tipper Gore mm-hmm. and all of them being like the campaign against uh, violence and profanity in media. Profanity. <laughs> What's your profanity? 
But uh, yeah, I that sucks. Um, I would love to see an uncut version. I would too. I would really enjoy that. I think it would be longer, but not by much. That's the thing. Is like I'd be fine with that. Yeah, it's just I can imagine that this would be so much more, even more fun with all of that gore. Like I do love gore. I know that about myself, and I am. uh, I like it when it's earned. And it would be in this. Like there's no point in this of not. Again, if you're signing up for a slasher film, you're signing up for gore. Yeah, like it's like, like a zombie film. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre deserves to have gore. Zombie films deserve to have gore. It's just part of the genre. It's baked into it, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very frustrating, and the MPA sucks. Um, yeah. They are a horrible, horrible organization that shouldn't exist. We don't need to rate films. Well, and I would say there's literally no point to it. Yeah. Well, and I would also say that my only qualm with this film really is the lack of diversity. Oh, no, it's, it's a very white film. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 non-existent. There is no diversity in this film. Yeah, I don't think there's Zero. a person of color in it. No, there's not. Yeah. Zero. Um, so that's really my one uh, main uh, qualm with it. it. Yeah. Easily could have just incorporated, you know. Donald Faison was available. He would have made a great Randy. Oh, my God. He would have been hilarious. He's so good as Randy. He also would have been good as like Matthew Lillard's character. Totally, too. totally. He's he falls right right in that. Sort I mean, of... there's just so many people you could easily cast in this that were absolutely available. Well, again, that's... Harold Perrineau was in a uh, uh, fucking. He would be incredible as Billy Loomis. Yeah, Mercutio from Romeo and Juliet. He, yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. reading an interview with him, and I would have killed to see him in this movie. He <laughs> would have been killed. So... You would have killed to see him in it. <laughs> kidding sorry um, we always talk about alternate casting choices with this shit because it's just like damn yeah i really do well it, it's it, the just, people were fucking available you well, know it, that's what i'm saying is that like the lack of diversity is always bullshit yeah. because you can again it's fiction you can cast anyone yes you can cast anyone in anything but yeah that's that's my that's my main qualm with this other than that i think it's like chef's kiss yeah it's funny i would really we i mentioned richard ayawade earlier and i was just thinking earlier today it's like damn i would love to see him direct a horror film yeah that would be that would be really cool i mean because he did the double which was really good the one with jesse eisenberg yes it's the the adaptation of dostoevsky and i would adore something in that like gritty weird i'd pay to see that yeah yeah i would love that um, I do want to tell, like, just because I know, like, he who may not be named, who was, uh, it was his studio mm-hmm. that produced this, what, Miramax, yeah. right? I do want to tell just, like, a little tidbit of a story. My roommate Julian told me about it. So, uh, Miramax also, or at least um, he who may not be named, did worked a lot with Miyazaki. Yes. Who is my, one of my favorite people on this god's green earth yeah so there's this one part in miyazaki's film where it's like a fishing scene i i I wish i could remember the 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 exact movie um but there are just so many that i don't remember which one it is um it's been working for like 40 years yeah yeah it is not totoro though like it's not the main main one but he who may not be named wanted uh wanted that scene taken out and miyazaki was like it would be like like you're not taking that out. It would be a disgrace to my family. It's an it's an homage to my father. Um, this God, fishing scene. It's like it would be. I would be dishonoring my entire fucking family if you took this scene out. I'm not like it was like a hard no, and 
in a later interview with Miyazaki, he was like, I was just fucking with him. Of course he was. Hell he was yeah, like, he was. He was like, my father God. never went fishing. Like, I, I just was <laughs> like, I was trying to be defiant. He was like, yeah. I, I didn't, he was like, I didn't care. I just didn't want someone cutting up my movie because when I make a movie, I make a movie. Yeah. And well, so he was like, I just lied so that it wouldn't get cut. Hayao Miyazaki, king my favorite i wish i could remember exactly which movie it was i've seen because i've seen so I've seen many most of, of them, them yeah, yeah. it's and, not nausicaa because that one's mm-hmm. like all weird futuristic-y uh it might be mononoke it could be i just remember i i, I can see the scene in my yeah, head yeah i know and i'm it's looking like at it's, it's it howl's moving castle it might be i, I know the scene you're talking about and i can't it's not ponyo no i don't think it's ponyo ponyo just has a fish in it exactly hmm Anyway, we can just sit here and name all the Miyazaki films until we decide it's that one. But yeah, yeah. But anyway, I just thought that that was. um, I just love that. I love not super relevant, but like a funny little story that I felt like more people needed to know. Well, he's known as like a a guy who loves a good hack job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Miyazaki was like just not not standing for it. Yeah, was just like no. It's what him and Tarantino are the only ones who have been allowed to make a movie over two hours long. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I think that was the whole thing is that it was going to it was going to be uh, an hour and 45 and really wanted to cut it down to an hour 30 or something. Yeah. And he was like, no, Fuck that shit. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a fun little aside there. Mm-hmm. I just want to good sp- times. Yeah. I want to spread the good word, you know, exactly. <laughs> that Hayao Miyazaki is is a is a true king and a, and a warrior. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Wes Craven was, too. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So <sighs> That's all I have. That's all the notes I've got here. Um, I, I fucking hate the MPAA. I fucking hate the guy who is behind the production of this film. But but we love film, the film. Exactly. We love the film. And my my takeaway is let's keep going forward with this like final girl uh, trope. Yeah, there was a fun, uh, another like sort of horror homage film called The Final Girls. Yes. With uh, yes. Taisa Farmiga and mm-hmm. uh, Alia Shakat. Which was really good. And um, yes. um, uh, what's her name? The Swedish chick. Uh, that was rude. The Swedish woman. Um, Malin Ackerman. Yeah. Was in that too. Well, and I also like what we, comes to mind when I think of a progressive um, idea of the final girl. I honestly think of Mia in the remake of Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, 100%. Because not really definite. Like, like trying to detox from yeah. a drug addiction. Because Natalie is your standard perfect girl in that with her white dress and her blonde uh-huh. hair. And, her and she dies like third, fourth, I second. don't know. Second? Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Um, but anyway, Mia is our final girl in that. And she's, you know, the furthest from the definition of pure, whatever the fuck that means. Right. But yeah, I think what I think that's kind of my takeaway from this is like, let's keep pushing the envelope on this bullshit trope that that has been created by men to um subjugate women yeah and to put them in this like virtuous box and that if they get outside of it they're gonna be punished for it yeah not chill not chill at all nope let us fucking be let us be let us just do what we want okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but anyway, uh, you guys know where to find us. We're so excited to be here for October. It's our it's such also, a fun plan month plan for y'all. It's horror babes' uh, one year birthday anniversary. I still don't really know what to call it, but uh, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. But 
Anyway, uh, follow us definitely on uh, social media this month if, if, if you haven't already because we're going to be doing some really fun stuff and we're going to have a lot of recommendations for you guys. Uh, a lot of, you know, if you enjoyed this, you'll really enjoy this. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna to try and really uh, uh, get you guys set up for a fun, spooky-filled October. We are going all out for y'all. I'm not sleeping this month just for you. I hope you feel that <laughs> yes. and appreciate it. Yes. So you can find us at Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram, at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter, and HorrorBabesPod.com. As always, we'll catch you next time. Bye, Bye babes. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.